Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Okay, Andy, you ready to do this? As I'll ever be, Patrick. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, what is that, a Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper, yeah. You want one Dr. Pepper today? Yeah, I got one for lunch. I know, right? <laughs> surprising. Well, you I, drink, I had... You drink Dr. Pepper, though. Yeah. It's not just LaCroix, just for the audience. That's true. People in the audience, they think you just drink LaCroix. There's a time and a place for many different drinks. Yeah. I miss Dr. Pepper, Andy. I'll be honest. Yeah. I have some right here. Do you want to take a sip? Nope. No one will know. Get away, drug dealer. (laughs) No one will know. (laughs) (laughs) Look what I'm drinking. Look, this is blood. Yeah, is that like fruit punch with blood? (laughs) It's uh, Fanta Cherry. Nice. One of the devs here turned me on to it. I was just drinking a lot of Sprite. Yeah. And getting bored. And then he was like, dude, you should you should do Fanta Cherry. The raspberry is really good. Is raspberry good too? Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. I can tell you one one fun fact about Fanta. It's a Nazi soda. Did you know that? It's a Nazi soda? Yes. The Nazis invented Fanta? Yes. Ooh. Because World War II, you know, comes around. <laughs> And the U.S. is like, we're going to stop giving you Coke. And so they, they need something, right? So they yeah. invented a soda. And it was Fanta orange soda. Ooh. So. The Nazis invented Fanta orange soda? Yeah. <laughs> Man, now I don't know if I should drink this anymore. <laughs> That's why when Back you drink Sprite. it. <laughs> That's why when you drink it, your your ideals kind of get very narrow. You're not very open minded anymore. You stop yeah, like I felt. I've been drinking this for about a week, and I felt very fascist. Yeah, like it's, it's been <laughs> it's been weird. Just my thoughts, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's our real topic for today? <laughs> By the way, is Coke? This is my joke. Is Coke energy just? Coke with Coke in it. Coke energy. Coke with Coke in it. The new Coke energy. Is it? Is it? They should have just called it like. <laughs> they should have just called it like original Coke, right? Maybe yeah. Because didn't, didn't didn't original Coke have cocaine? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I should be like Coke energy, or like Coke eighteen seventy five. Well, they couldn't call it Coke classic. No, they have to call it like original. They already screwed up and used that yeah. name. So, Coke original. And they don't want to call it New Coke. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Patrick. Okay. Generating our 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 um, topic here randomly. Beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop. This comes from um, Tim Sorwind. This topic, today's topic. Friend of the show, we both know him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Tim wants to know. This is going to be a toughie, I think. It's going to be tough, yeah. I don't know what this topic is, Andy, but this is scaring me. (laughs) How to take UX from a siloed organization to integrating them on a cross-functional team. Why? What are the challenges, risks, and benefits? Challenges, risks, and benefits. Yeah. We got this. We've talked to a couple Agile people. We've talked about Agile stuff lately, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of goes hand in hand. This marries with that Agile stuff. I think it does, Patrick. 
right? Yeah. So when I <clears throat> when I started at Canopy, we as a design team were all sitting together, right? Like there yeah, for like a minute. For yeah. like a minute, it was like two weeks, pretty much. <laughs> I felt like it was longer because I was just starting. But um, we as a design team were sitting side by side, right? And so um, it would be like. Marketing, for example, the creative team, they sit together. They don't sit with anybody else. They sit together because mm-hmm. they, they work on the same stuff. This design team, the UX, the product design team, they all sat together. And then when they go, we go to stand-ups and everything, we'd walk over to where all the developers sit in their dark caves and talk about what you're working on, right? Yeah. Um, They're all hanging upside down from the ceiling uh-huh, yeah. with like a red light on and it's all dark in there. And they're weird typey keyboards that yeah. are split and they're just typing yeah, upside down. Yeah, like typing upside down. Yeah. Blood dripping from their face. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would, right? Yeah. And then we go back to our desk over by the design the designers. Yeah, where it was a lot brighter. Yeah. And we did sit upright versus upside down mm-hmm. in a cave. <laughs> and... Um, we all talked about weird designy stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, I think pre- what was this, preventing preventing silos that we was talking about. Um, so he wants to know, going back to that again, how to take a team from a siloed organization to a cross-functional one. Oh, okay, so not that way to cross-functional. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you just you do cross-functional teams. I mean, physically, right? Practically, you do cross-functional teams. Mm-hmm. You build the small units, and then you put a designer on that team, right? Yeah. And you have them sit with that team and deliver with that team. That's practically that's what you do, right? You just move them over there. <laughs> now you 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 could. Um, I've seen other places where designers still sit together like that. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily sit with their with their development organization. But they work on what they they only work on what that development team's working on, right? Yes. They just work on those projects. Yes. They don't bounce between other projects. Like we were kind of doing that a little bit when you first started, or probably before you started. We were kind of working on projects like like myself and the PM was kind of working on projects for a couple of different development teams. Yeah. Um, but I've seen it other places where it's like if you want that cross functional thing without sitting next to the developers you want to still sit next to the designers then you would work only on projects for that that development team mm-hmm. and not get pulled pulled aside to do other projects yeah um <clears throat> one pro- problem that i think that kind of i think it's better if you're going cross-functional to be on the team like embedded with the team like sitting next to them right yeah because i think one problem is is you can get you get to a point where you're not you, you don't really know or understand where the development team is at all the Mm -hmm. time, like in the process. I think the other challenge with doing something like that is you, it's easier for you to then get pulled onto another development team because you kind of don't belong to the one, you know? So it's like, Oh, they're doing this word, this little quick project over here. And -and so-and-so is going to be out for two weeks. Can you jump on this thing? Which I think happens anyway, but it's, it's easier if you're, it's easier to get pulled aside and pulled off. It's also easier. I've experienced, it's easier um, from like a management standpoint for them to force you to work on two to three different teams. Yeah. If you're not sitting with the one team. Exactly. Um, and maybe that's how you're set up. That's so that's like 
the way I'm set up right now at Workfront, it's similar to that, where I am actually supporting um, a few different teams. Yeah. Um, I sit right next to the developers, but I don't sit like right like in their teams where they all sit um, because I am supporting all of them. Um, and so like it's I kind of miss like here at Canopy we're very like we had the the designer sitting we had these squads these squad areas right mm -hmm. where the designer would sit with the PM um, and with the two front end devs the two back end devs and a QA we'd all sit right next to each other in a little area and we'd all it it was great because you could turn around and talk to anybody at any time you knew what the developers were feeling. Or what, you know, if, at least if they told you right yeah. there, they're like complaining about something. <laughs> you hear them like, oh, yeah, exactly, like <laughs> exactly. Every time they you, should, you send them a Slack message, you just hear a, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will you guys take a look at this design Man, for a second? Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> so, See, you'd know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that, that was nice, but we were working on a very specific thing all the way through together. Like we owned all of that piece. So yeah. it's definitely harder to do that if you if you are supporting a number of different teams on different things. Um, but I at least I'm very, very close to them. I can get up and walk a few feet and talk to them. Yeah. Um, I just can't hear them grumbling about the things I put in Slack <laughs> very easily. But they're not in Bangladesh or something yeah. where you can't. You know, they're on the other side of the world and you can't really get to them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, I think, I think that's the more common, what you, what you guys have set up at Workfront is probably mm -hmm. the more common way of it working. The The only place I've ever worked that does what Canopy does, at least with the squad thing, is at Canopy. I think previous to that, I, I was like you, mm -hmm. like an instructor, the designers sat together and we supported one or two teams. There was times where we would go and bet on a team, but it was like for a smaller project, like its own product kind of thing. Okay. Um, I think the he brings up silos. So having you know being siloed or being cross functional, like design being siloed or being cross functional. If you take design, I think one challenge that you have that we've experienced here, and I think most other companies have experienced when I've talked to other designers that work like this is when you have, you take the design silo and you spread it out, right? And you put it on all the different development teams. Mm -hmm. But then what you what you instantly do is create a design silo on that individual. Yeah. Because there's no, they're not working with another designer generally. That's just them with, you know, the development team and a PM. And then they, they instantly, they instantly get into their own ownership of what they're building and forget about the rest of the product uh, some cases forget about the designers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's and I think it causes two it causes two problems in my mind that are bad. Um, one is it causes that designer to be siloed um, from the rest of the product, so they don't understand what's happening in the rest of the product, unless they're pro unless they're very proactive about going to other people and talking to them about it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think it does, and I've experienced this in my own like personally is it doesn't it makes your work environment and your culture less um fun well not fun but less like as a designer you want to be around other designers so you can learn and grow from them yeah and so i think it kind of it kind of makes your job i shouldn't say fun because working with engineers can be fun too like oh, yeah, working definitely. on that squad can be really fun and getting to know everyone but there's there's something missing that you that you're missing something because you don't have another designer 
sitting next to you to hang out with. Like you connect with those people a lot easier than yes. you do developers or QA or PM. Yeah, right? you relate very easily to yeah. designers a lot more as a designer um, than you do to the developers because your job is fundamentally fundamentally different as a designer mm -hmm. and you're both trying to solve similar problems in similar ways and you need to like see the good thing about like when we sat together as a design team on canopy is we were able to quickly like show other designers and get that feedback from them yeah and like it, it i wasn't it wasn't for a very long time for me but i imagine like the benefits of that is you get like a very good holistic understanding of the experience overall mm -hmm. and you can design for that whereas what you're saying like when you're on your your cross-functional team you don't get that as much you're stuck in your place and you are the designer for that team and then you're all you know serving your own little purpose as part of that team right yeah um so yeah i totally agree with that it's that's definitely a challenge so my question to you patrick as the manager of the design team <laughs> that that went you know very cross-functional like, how did you try to combat that? Uh, I mean, I don't think anything's been 100% successful. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's very difficult. I think a weekly critique as a design team has been very beneficial. Um, that's that's been, that's been a key thing. I think we do other things, too. We've set up, we personally, I mean, it's, it's changed over time, but we had we had different meetings, like weekly design hangout meetings where we, like every week we would spend time as just a design team together. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that helps, uh, going to lunch together as a design team helps. Um, having other things, I think we've, we've tried other things of like, kind of like kind of pair designing, but it's not like, it's like you have you as you and another, like you and a mentor or you and somebody else and you get together once a week or a couple times a week just to talk about your projects I think that helps. I think all of those little things help, but I don't think it's, I don't think, I don't think we've ever been able to find like the cure for that. Cause yeah. I think you just, when you're working, you just sit down, you work at your desk, you know? Mm -hmm. And the, and if, and if a weird, like you're, you're working on a thing and you're like, Oh, what if I did this? You just turn to the person next to you. You know, you don't really like get up and walk, walk across. Like it sounds stupid. It's like a first world problem, obviously. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I gotta walk 15 feet over another designer, but you just you don't react that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just don't do it. So I think that having that physical proximity to each other is way more beneficial to the product as a whole, like in the holistic user experience, than being cross-functional. And you can see it in products like Spotify does it, and you can see it in Spotify. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can have a design system, but that only cures part of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's. That is another thing that's that has helped is having any kind of design system or style guide or UI kit. I think that helps a lot to keep consistency. Yeah. But even then, that's only visual consistency. That's not. It's hard to you know. It's hard to keep interaction consistency yeah. and user experience behaviors and things like that. I think one thing we also tried to have at Canopy is we had like a, a list of values that we tried to yeah like define as a design team. And, um, you know, we would immediately forget those, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a big list of, you know, comprehensive like values of, you know, here's what we're trying to do for our user. Here's how we do it at Canopy. Um, it was hard to remember that all the time, but at least as a team, we tried to, um, work on that and, and talk about it and learn. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of other things I've always wanted to do is like print those out, have posters of those. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of stuff that I've always wanted to do. I'm just too lazy to get it done, you know, mm -hmm. but like all of that stuff so like it's 
it's it's a constant reminder because right now a lot of those things are kind of digital right your design system is digital Mm -hmm. your values are digital your calendar events are all digital right like they're all everything's like a digital thing you have to take the time to go look it up yeah you have to go you have to go to it and then a lot of times i think one one thing that happens on um, cross-functional teams is the squad becomes more important than the what we call chapters so like we have the we have the ux design chapter the squad tends to be more important after a period of time which i think is right mm-hmm. i think that's correct because as a squad you're you're the mini startup and you're delivering to the user right you're delivering value but at the same time i think like it's it's easier for the squad to like set up a meeting that counteracts when we have design critique or it's easy for a squad to set up like a like a retrospective when we're having a design launch, right? Yeah. And so the designers are constantly sort of having to play in both worlds, right? Like I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go bowling with my squad so that I can be friends with them. But mm-hmm. then I also have to go lunch with my design team so that I can be friends with them. Yeah. And I think that um, that can take its toll. I think on your productivity for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, you really are kind of working for two teams. Yes. And that, that makes it kind of hard. Yeah, and you have to balance those relationships because, like, there's the needs of your squad and there's the needs of the design team. And it's really hard to fulfill those needs. Like, as a designer, like, on a squad, you, you're, like, you know, you're living and dying with that squad, right? Like, you're successful mm-hmm. together. Um, and, like, you're, you're trying to battle, like, the needs of, like... I. Like I have a lot of empathy for my developers. I need to really help them do this thing, like help them build this component or whatever. So I'm going to go fight with my design team to get this component get built, yeah. like added to the design system, all this stuff. And <laughs> but I also like I have this, I have this like um, this need for the, the design team needs me to do this thing as a designer and like really you know um, like fight for this principle or something. So it's like yeah. it's really hard to to balance both of those for sure. Um, which one? Which one do you fight for more? Right? <laughs> like if I have a, if I have a if I have a meeting, Patrick, my say my manager Patrick schedules a meeting, like mm-hmm. a designer meeting, where we're gonna like do this important thing. But my squad also schedules a meeting at the same time, and they're both really important meetings. Which one do I fight for? Which one do I say? Man, I mean, I mean, from my perspective, being a manager of a design team, um, I would definitely say the design team. Mm-hmm. First of all, like they're your boss, you know, like yeah, they're, they're you're gonna get fired from your your design manager, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you're, you're, that's if you a good keep point. Going off the design team, like eventually you're gonna be like, okay, well, yeah, I don't know how to do my job correctly, uh-huh. right? Um, so I I don't know. I I mean it's it's a tricky, it's always been tricky here, and it's never it's never been perfect here. Yeah, we've had times when I think we've worked better. And then when we worked worse, mm-hmm. and the only thing I can explain it to is when designers are not proactive, when they're not proactive about trying to serve the two masters, <laughs> then that's when that's when we get into that's when I think the design team gets pulled apart and like the product starts to kind of suck yeah. and like you know things get lost. Um, it's also I think as the design manager, it's your responsibility to make sure everybody is being proactive. And I've been good at that, and I've been bad at that. Probably more bad than good over the time, like, if I look back at it. But, like, it's also, yeah, it's also your job to make sure that your designers are are actually um, coming together, getting to know each other, working together. Yeah. I'm really not, I think, 
I'm really not a fan. I know some other companies, like I've heard designers at other companies don't even know the other designers. Like they literally just work out of a design system all day. Uh-huh. That bothers me. Um, and I feel like that's not a good fulfilling. Maybe those designers are happy. It just seems like for me, I wouldn't want to work in that environment where it's like I never, ever saw another designer. Yeah. You know, that that would I think that would drive me crazy. Like, I think I would want to hang out with those people. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's. I think you get a lot of benefit from from having that camaraderie as a design team. Yeah. Like, if you're, like, a tight-knit design team, I, I think it's going to be... Because, like, again, you're talking about serving those two masters. I think you have to have a good relationship with your design team as well as, like, the, the team you're working with cross-functionally. You have to have both of those relationships to really get a good experience, I think, out of your work and also yeah. give you the best work or the, the best... So you can give the best work as a designer, like your best work. Um, so I think, yeah, if you're just just on the the cross-functional team sort of thing and just serving that master, I, know, I don't know if you're going to be as fulfilled. And you're, yeah. I think you're going to have like a, a piece of you that's missing, if you know it or not. Part of, part of you is going to be dead. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the design, the design part of you is going to be dead, right? Like the... Yeah. The whatever side of the brain that is um, is not going to be working at all. Well, I mean, you're going to be you're going to be pushed for sure by your squad. Yeah. And challenged for sure, but you're not going to have if you're totally siloed by yourself. You're not going to have the other designers to like. Yeah. Give you crazy ideas because like that's that's part of design is uh, brainstorming and ideating is such a huge part of design. Mm-hmm. And doing that with other people that are working on the same product and have done it in other ways. Like we've had, this This has happened to Canopy a lot. Um, uh, designer A designs an interaction. Three months later, designer B designs, has the same interaction, but designs it differently. Yeah. N- neither one are incorrect, but now we have two different patterns that our users have to like learn to do the same thing. <laughs> And that's, that's, I think, the real, that's, like, where it really breaks down. Yeah. And that's where it's just, it's all a communication thing. And the, the other the other thing, so there's that problem. But the other thing, too, I think, like, goes back to, like, personally being fulfilled at my job. If you're a junior designer or you're a mid-level type designer, I don't think working cross-functionally is um, totally siloed anyway is a good thing for you. Oh, yeah. You might form some very bad habits, yeah. right? Because you don't really have, you don't, like, if you don't have a mentor and you're not proactive about it and you're just, like, we ran into problems here at Canopy with that where it was like, you just, you just get siloed. It just happens mm-hmm. because you, you're physically siloed, right? Yeah. So then you just start to make your own assumptions. You start to just move quickly. And when you're working with, this is the other challenge, I think, when you work with a development team is there's constant, constant pressure for you to deliver your designs. Yes. And that can be really hard because every day you're meeting with these people and you're like, hey, we need, and then sometimes your front ends are like, I don't have anything to do. Where's the designs? You're like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to work on them. But like that prevents you, like, especially if you're uh, new, that prevents you from going and spending the adequate time you need to like, to like do the design right and user test the design right. Exactly. And so I think that pressure, and especially if you're new or you're kind of mid-level, you're getting that pressure. That's it's it's hard to blow that off. Mm-hmm. A senior designer is better at it, right? A senior designer, is like, dude, let me do my job. Like, figure out something to do, fix a bug, whatever. But like, I think as a junior, you just you're just like you want to impress everyone and yep. you want to do a good job. And so you're like, oh yeah, let me get the, that really quickly, and and then you 
you don't get the proper training or mentoring that you yeah. need. You're doing like like half of your job mm-hmm. because of that pressure. No, that's totally true. Yeah. And I think I think what I liked, um, what I wanted to mention, what I liked what you did as a manager is as we're talking about like there's no like one way to like solve for these problems. Um, I think every team is going to be different for many different reasons. Um, what I liked is we actually tried a lot of different things. Like we, we yeah. didn't just like think, think of one thing to do and just stick with that for five years and just see what works. You know, um, I think we would like, we would actually like take the time to talk about like, did this work? We kind of had like retro retrospectives, I think a little bit, they weren't officially retrospectives, but we did take the time to talk about like, how are our critique meetings working? And we talked about as a team, like, this is good, this is not good. And we, we tried to make that better. Like, and how do you feel as, like, I, I felt like I had input to, like, say, as a as a design contrib- designer contributor, I, I felt like I had the input to say, like, what was working and what wasn't working in terms of getting what I needed from a design team. Um, and I think we tried a lot of different things. And I think that's important to do, to actually, like, um, to find something that works and then try to make that better, right? Mm-hmm. Um and not just stick with the same thing and let people dwindle and just end up wanting to leave. Yeah. Well, we did, we did all kinds of stuff. Like yeah. we, we went on field trips together. Yeah. We did like, we did like show and tells for a while, you know, <laughs> it was kind of fun. Just all kinds of stuff to try to like get to know each other and bond together as a design team and carve off some time. Um, we did, we, we did one where we did like a weekly, what was that? We did something. It was like a weekly Monday morning thing. For like was it forty-five like a stand-up? minutes or something. It only yeah, it only happened like three times, and then we were like, "This isn't gonna work." <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, I think I think that's a good point that you bring up though, is if you're in a cross-functional team, just because just because what Spotify says in a Medium article mm-hmm. or Airbnb or you know Plural Site or whatever, any any of that stuff, just because they do it there, doesn't mean that it's gonna work for your team because you're everybody's different, right? Yeah. And everybody has different time constraints. They have different commitments, different skill levels. So you have to try. You have to try a lot of stuff and just see what sticks. And don't be afraid to like go. That didn't work. Yeah. Don't be afraid to like have an idea that's dumb and yeah. it totally sucks. Like if we had that meeting, I don't remember what meeting you're talking about, but I can't remember. We did I just it three remember times. it was like this informal thing. Like you could bring. I don't know. It was weird. But. Uh, it was it was some article I read and it was like oh, we should try that and we did <laughs> and then like like two weeks like two, we did it like two or three times and then everybody was like bored and like it, it didn't work out right so we just we pivoted the other thing too about that is when your team grows so like uh, that was the one thing we used to do that Friday afternoon all day we'd go to lunch as a design team Friday and then we had this morph it was called Morphin Time right mm-hmm. from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then we'd spend the rest of the afternoon hanging out in a room, right? And when it was like four or five of us, that was okay. Yeah. That was fine. <laughs> um, we'd hang out and work and like talk about weird things and show weird videos. Get and stuff into like, like that. really weird like philosophical conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then when the team got to like 10 people, it really started to break down. Everybody had more, there was more meetings because we had more squads, mm-hmm. there was more things going on. We were, you know, we were pushing harder to get things released. So then it, it didn't quite work. And then that room was just, it was, it was just too many people in a room, right? I don't know. I actually loved that. Did you like it? I loved it. <laughs> it got a little out of hand a, a few yeah, times. Yeah, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like, it started, and those kind of things too, like sometimes I think those kind of things feel like a waste of time. 
Mm-hmm. Like I started to feel like as a manager, like we're wasting <laughs> four hours of time in the afternoon. Yeah. Like just hanging out and not being productive, which is a lot of money. Oh yeah, totally. That's a lot of That's money. That's in a very expensive company. Yeah. And so while we were, while we were, you know, bonding together mm-hmm. and creating that kind of culture and environment and, and actually getting some work done. I mean, I remember even in some of those crazy conversations, people were working yeah. and asking questions. Yeah. Well, it was so easy just to like sit there and go, okay, I have a really quick question to ask you and just mm-hmm. show them a design and get their feedback. It was so easy to do it. Yeah. Um, so you could be talking like about some, some stupid thing and then really quickly or somebody else is like having an actual work conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, there's like four people on one end talking about like somebody's sweater vest, right? Yeah. And then they wore the other day and then the rest of them are like working on something that's real. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I think I think the good thing um, I think you're right. Like there there was probably some time wasted there. Um, but one thing like it, it made going to work fun, and it yeah. also like created like as you said like a culture of of like trust, which is so important. Like if you like feel trusted and respected as part of your design team, like you um, are going to get a lot of value out of that. First of all, you're going to like want to work there forever, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to want to like ask those people like to help you as a designer, um, to help you get better. And you can learn a lot from people that you, that you feel trust you and that you trust them. Um, so I think that's, that's really important, but at the same time, you don't want to like waste (laughs) too much time. (laughs) (laughs) No, the trust does go back into being proactive though, because if you trust your team, team members, then you're, you're more likely to be proactive about staying connected benefits he brought up benefits what are the benefits of working cross-functionally as a design team um i think there's a lot of benefits Mm -hmm. i think one is you can deliver customer value a lot faster yeah that's one that's for sure hands down that's the biggest thing the other thing too is i think you have an influence you have a bigger influence on the development teams than you would if you were siloed with your design team Mm -hmm. So to flip that, like you get to know your developers. Now they, they trust you, right? Yes. And you can build that trust. And I saw everybody on our team, right, build relationships and trust with their development team that when like a developer moved from one team to the next or when we wanted to move a designer from one team to the next, they were like screaming and clawing, yeah. you know, to, like, <laughs> no, don't take me away from these people. I love these people. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but I think you, I think if you, it, it creates that sense of like you're, you're learning and growing from each other, right? So mm-hmm. <clears throat> you no longer have this mentality of like, we're the designers and you're the developers yes. and you do what we say and what, you know, you don't have that really. I mean, culturally, people do weird stuff all the time mm-hmm. and like things like that happen anyway. But I think just from a, just from a practical standpoint, um, the development team that you're working with gets to see you work. Yeah. They don't get to, they don't just get to see the output of your work. They get to see you work. And so they start to understand what you actually do. Yeah. And that's so important too, especially for like the, the, the agile aspect, like that we learned about with, with, I really learned about with John's, um, discussion that you had with him yeah. a couple episodes back. Like the, the biggest part of like agile isn't just, um, a Kanban board. Like the biggest output is people get to work work cross functionally, and the biggest like benefit of that is um, they get to see like 
how like they get to see how design works and they get to see like what is the point of design like design needs to take time to actually make sure this is the right thing we're building and they go okay great i'm building the right thing right now and i, I have confidence yeah. that i'm doing that and i'm not just coding crap you know just to get a paycheck i'm actually creating value and and you as a designer get to see oh development is actually like building this thing that's hard to do like they're doing all these really technical things and i need to make sure when i'm designing something that it goes along with what is possible for them to actually yeah. give them value and so like as, as we do that more and work in an agile way like cross-functionally there's a lot of value that goes through to the customer because we're understanding each other's work mm -hmm. um, and then we're able to have like really good output in terms of value for the customer yeah and it's you you come you you cross the finish line as a team too yes in your different roles yeah you're winning that's, together that's really awesome. which is is so cool to like see um, you know, something that started a long time ago is an idea that you all worked on together and then the customers are using it and their lives are different because of yeah. it. It's so cool to see that. And then it's not like you just did, you, you, instead of feeling like, I remember having this conversation, we had this conversation a long time ago, but like as a designer, you get in this world of like, I create mock-ups and then I send the mock-ups off uh -huh. <laughs> and then I don't know what happens to them, right? <laughs> I just, I, like that was, that was the end, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, in a cross-functional environment, it never ends. It's you're constantly designing, you're constantly improving, you're constantly improving the product. There's no, there's no, there's no definition of done, right? Yeah. You just do it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. So on a cross-functional team, you 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 spend your time researching and designing and stuff like that. You know, building a UI and all that kind of stuff and testing it. And then, and then you start handing it off to the engineering team that you sit right next to. They start building it, and then you, and then they, they return the favor and come back to you and say, "Okay, well, does this look like like does this behave like what it is?" Mm -hmm. Or they'll come back to you and be like, "Dude, I saw the design. I start tweaking it." But then I thought, "What if we did this?" Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, that'd be sweet." So then you're like, "Yeah, let's do that." And yeah. Then you change your designs, so you get to support. You actually get to you actually get to be there while it's built, mm -hmm. right? Like I always use the building analogy, like the house or a building analogy, but it's like an architect never really gets to see the building. Like yeah. they, they're not part of the construction of the building really. Like for the most part, they might have visits, right? They might show up and put the hard hat on and like walk around and be like, Oh, there it is. And you know, like, no, that door should, that, that door should swing this way. They do that, but it's not like, it's not like they're there every day working with engineering every day. Yeah. And then having engineering be like, dude, I, the designs are great, but like, what if we did this? And you're like, oh, that'd be sweet. We could yeah. totally do that. Let's do that. So it's like, that's just a totally different thing is you get to see it being created. And then the other big thing is you get to, you get, you get to be there to make sure that it's, you know, that the goals that you had for the design mm -hmm. are in place. Yeah. That it still solves that, that, that user job at yeah. the very beginning, right? Yeah. That way, when you see it live, it's not like that's not what I designed at mm -hmm. all. That doesn't do anything like I thought it was going to do. Yeah. This way, it's like you've been a part of that whole entire process. Yeah. So if it does something different, you're a part of it. You were you had the you were able to make those decisions. You were able to do that. It's also really nice too. And I think as a company, all, I think all companies that work on this. And I think we need better tools, quite frankly, to work on this. But like. After you release up, after you release that product, you get to see how it performs mm -hmm. on some level. So yeah, and I think that's nice too. <laughs> I think the difference between those two processes, Patrick, is 
like job fulfillment, honestly. Like if, if you're living the first way where you're just like handing it off, like all your job is, is I just create mocks. Yeah. I just, I just design this thing. It looks cool. And I just, I'm done. I'm going to do the next thing now. And like, that's like not that fulfilling and Mm -hmm. it gets boring. But if you're able to see like, Oh, I, I did this. We get to make it better as, as it, it's being built and we can see it in the user's hands and you like see so much like, like how it changes people's lives. Like that's job fulfillment. Like you actually feel happy about the thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think that's the big difference between those two things. One thing, one thing that one, I think one benefit of working cross-functionally um, is the ROI aspect because designers have this problem, right? Where we don't know how to articulate what our return on investment is to a company. Yeah. Right. Like it's easy. It's easy for a salesperson. It's easy. It's it's pretty easy for development. It's pretty easy for most people to be like, I did this. See it. That's what I did. I, you saw it. You saw the value. Right. But design is one of those areas where it's like everybody questions it. And there's articles, medium articles all the time about ROI of design. And you have your Jared Spools going, well, if they don't understand, or you have your Alan Coopers, if they don't understand where it is and go find another job. And like, <laughs> people being really dogmatic about it. <laughs> but like, um, I think when you, when you work cross functionally as a team, at least in the last, I would say in the last four to six months here, I've seen our team. I've seen other, I've seen other, what do you call those other teams, right? Like development team mm-hmm. QA. I've seen them start to understand exactly what we do here. Yeah. And I think it, it takes, I think it takes a while and I think it takes the right culture. Um, if you have a culture of toxicity, it's probably not going to work. But if you have a good culture and everybody's everybody's willing to play as a team, um, I've seen it. I've seen it happen here where it's like, oh, we need another design. Like I've seen I've seen developers ask for another designer here, which has never happened, right? Yeah, man. It breaks that thing of like, it breaks that thing of like, we got to hire a bunch of developers because developers build stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but we need we need designers and we need PMs. Yeah. Like it's they're the ones that are asking for it, right? Like they're the ones that that have seen the value, they've seen the ROI, right? Like that's the only way. And I think really as a designer, that's how you prove. Like it's not even how you prove; it's just that that is the ROI of design. Is like <laughs> when you see it happen. So somewhere you have a spreadsheet that's counting all the times that <laughs> a developer is asking for a designer, and yeah. that is the ROI. That's we had ROI. five last month. We had five. It's five. The ROI is five. The number. <laughs> no, but when everybody can see what you're doing, if, yeah. you, if you're off in uh, if you're off in another building somewhere, and the only thing that comes out is mock-ups, mm-hmm. then of course everybody can be like. I could do that, you know, yeah, exactly. like it's not a big deal. What are they doing over there? They just like, it took them three months to give us 10 mocks, you know, and hopefully you're, you're in there doing like user research and stuff. <laughs> hopefully you're not in there just drawn on whiteboards and arguing with each other. Yeah. But I mean, that happens too. But I think, yeah, I think everybody gets to see it. Mm-hmm. And so they go, they go, oh, that, that adds value. Yeah. Right. So you're not stuck. Like you're not stuck undermanned with two designers doing the work of six designers, right? Yep. And they're not doing their best work because they're sitting over in some warehouse somewhere that nobody sees them doing stuff. I don't know. <laughs> designers wouldn't be in a warehouse, would they? I don't know. They'd be in like a basement. They'd be or like something. in a loft. Ooh, a loft. That's a yeah. kind of loft, right? Yeah. Exposed brick. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm picturing like, 
if a designer could if a designer could have their own way of like the place that they would work at it would all be like the underbelly offices right and so mm-hmm. like 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 sweet offices like you talked about exposed brick yeah like hardwood floors <laughs> yeah lots of lights. lots of shiny things hanging in the office lots of sparkling water yeah sparkling mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. LaCroix flowing from this from the seeping out of the concrete <laughs> yeah <laughs> my shoes are super wet but my feet are bubbly feel great feel like you're flying that's that's how you design yeah you're just floating there'd be a salon and a barber shop yeah in the office for yeah. sure maybe even somebody to shine people's shoes like the hipster shoes you know mm-hmm. i think we covered it pretty well I, I think that's it man yeah right i hope tim's happy i do too i, I, I always hope he's happy we'll call him out and then he'll have to listen right yeah yeah Candy, what else is going on? The um, there is something going on, Patrick. Yeah. That we forgot to talk about last episode. What month is this? It's March. It's March. Yeah. We talked about this a long time ago. It is Design March. It's Patrick. officially hashtag Design March. What does that mean, though? What did, I don't what know. Did, what it, a long I can't time remember. ago, we talked about we we're gonna have we we're gonna celebrate Design March a yeah. whole month for design. Um, but I don't remember why. Yeah, March is the design month, that. right? Yeah. Um, so everybody should do things design-like all month long. Yeah. If you're like, not a designer, you have to go give a gift to a designer. Yeah. If you're listening. That's if your you job. give a gift to a designer. Give them some candy. Give them a hug. Um, let them know that they, they feel loved and appreciated. Yeah. Talk to your HR rep before you do the hugging, just to, clar- just to clarify. We don't Talk wanna, to them first, yeah. We don't want to encourage any of that kind of weird behavior. But I think we need some traditions, though, Andy. I do, too. So, like, you know, we have the Christmas traditions. We need, like, a designer on the shelf, like a little doll <laughs> designer you can put on your shelf in your office. That is so good. And then, oh. and then every day, like, a little hipster guy or, uh, I don't know, gotta look, they got to look like a designer, right? Yeah, totally. And every time you, like, start to think, I don't need to user test this thing. It's, it's small. Yeah. I don't need to do it. You see the little designer you on a shelf. show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, hey, you better user test. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, we got a user test. That's right. Design is important. <laughs> and then every day he'd move around and get in, like, he or she, right? We'd have to yeah. make sure we do this correctly. They would have, they would, they would get into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they'd knock over a jar of pencils and be like, <laughs> and nobody could touch them. Because if you if you touch the doll, then it flies away that night, and design leaves your company completely. It's all gone. None of your designers show up because the doll secretly kidnaps everyone out yeah. at the end. Okay. Touch it. Okay. Or you could do you know how everybody we talked about this uh, the other day. Like, did you when you were a kid? Did you ever build a leprechaun trap? I never did, no. So apparently this is a new thing. It's a new thing. My kids do it at their school. Like, there's there's a leprechaun trap when they go to school, and the leprechaun <laughs> got away, you know, and you see his little footprints and stuff yeah. like that. That wasn't a thing for me. It was that more, was never, more yeah. a, a pinching fest at, at my school. Yeah, it was school. more of wear green. That was yeah. basically it. Yeah. Or, di- or don't wear green and, and get pinched. Yeah. I always use my name. 
Patrick and the fact that I have Irish descendants. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter if I wear green or wow. not. Did that ever work for you? No, I don't <laughs> think so. People pinch me more, I think. Um, <laughs> I had a very traumatic experience on St. Patrick's Day once. It was like third grade. And I, I took the time. I'm like, I'm, I picked out this freaking green sweater. It was green, Patrick. But when I got to school, all the kids were like, that's not green. It's not green. And everyone, the whole class, like at once, was like pinching me. It was bad. I I had a rough day. Dude, that is, that explains so much. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's why you never I'm see glad me we've had green. This, I'm glad we had this moment of connection. <laughs> <laughs> was it green, Andy? Like, it was green. Was it green? Yes, it was. Was it green like your backpack is green? Like that's brown. It the, That's green, though. That's like olive green, Patrick. That's not a brown backpack. Yeah, but that's not like Irish green. I would be one of those kids. I would 100% be one of those kids that would pinch you for not wearing pure green. Yeah, I think you're probably the type of yeah. kid that started my my traumatic you, experience. You show up wearing like teal, and I'm like, that's teal, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's not green. It doesn't count. Look at a leaf. Does it match that leaf color? No. <laughs> and then every kid's like, yeah. I think he's right. I'm gonna pinch him. He's I'm right. like, and I'm like sitting there just crying. Like, no, it's green. It's a, it's green. There's lots of different shades of green, but it's green. But it's green. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just like bawling, and every kid is pinching me at oh, once. Oh man, third grade was rough, man. Third grade. I think it was third grade. Third grade is tough. Yeah, that's why I say, um, screw that holiday. Let's do Design March instead, right? Yeah. So never mind catching a leprechaun building. We shouldn't build leprechaun traps. We should build design traps. Design traps. Designer traps. Okay. Like try to catch a designer. I don't <laughs> that wouldn't know. be very hard. It doesn't do. make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I really like the the designer on a shelf idea. I think every manager should go out and buy their designer on a shelf and have to like mm-hmm. move it around every day, and it's this whole thing. And I think as a designer. You need to keep, you know, watch out for that designer on a shelf. Keep doing the right thing. And I think as a non-designer, you should be celebrating your designers. Yeah. I like that. Let them know you care. Yep. Developers, PMs out there, QA, managers, salespeople, CS. Just let your designers know that they're cared about. Yeah. That they're valued at your company. Yeah. Because it's Design March. Hashtag Design March, Patrick. (laughs) Candy. <laughs> Have a happy design march. Five weeks of design march. Yeah. Five weeks. Yeah, we picked a good month. It's a good month. Yeah, design march makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think we had this talk. We could, it couldn't be any other month. Yeah. It, it has to be this month. Because it like rhymes <laughs> with design much. Yeah. Kind of rhymes, but yep. yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, let's go out and uh, buy some designers designers on the shelf. Okay. <laughs> See you, Eddie. <laughs> See you.